0: Get Ready, Get Ready. It's time for This Week in Hockey, an in-depth look at what's happening around the NHL this week. Who you are? Here's your host, Blues analyst Alex Ferrario and Blues broadcaster Joey Vitali, This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN.
1: Tuesday night, everybody, and welcome in another edition of This Week in Hockey. As we are with you tonight, the trio in studio, Joe Vitale, Chris Kerber... Alex Ferrario after the blues knocked out in the first round postseason play continues plenty to discuss tonight for two hours and I'll open this up right now before we get into it fellas I know people have a lot of questions people want answers 65780 is our air comfort service text line let's open that up for blues fans now until 8 o'clock if you have questions shoot them our way 65780 Curbs Joey and I will discuss throughout the evening but first things first fellas how are you since uh, I guess I saw you Friday you
2: know, Alex, I- I'm doing okay, actually. You know, I-, I thought I was doing bad, but then there was this four-year-old girl in Greece. She was riding one of those unicorn inner tubes. Did you see this? A unicorn inner not. tube? She was on a unicorn inner tube outside of Greece on the ocean, and she drifted in a current, and her parents lost track of her, and it was a cruise ship that picked her up almost a mile off the coast. Oh, my God. She had her floaties on her arm. So to answer your question, Considering that, I'm actually doing pretty good right now.
3: Okay, you've, you've taken your kids down to the Gulf and, and, yeah. and different beaches. I've, I've taken mine to some beaches. Uh, you know, each in the summer, we try to maybe get up to Cape Cod a little bit if we can. There is a different level of parental awareness, for example, in Cape Cod. If you take your kids to Corporation Beach, which is on the bay side, which has very little turf, I mean, there's surf. The surf comes in and it goes out with the tide, but very calm, you know, you know beaches. You, you can walk around in the water. You're looking for, you know, for some hermit crabs, things like that. If you're on the Atlantic Ocean side where the water's coming in, the seaweed's rolling, and, the, you know, the undertow is pulling out, you're much more aware. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine the lack of awareness by a parent. To watch your daughter drift a mile away on a unicorn floaty. I mean, they're huge. Have you seen these things? The yeah, so I know. Yeah, they are. That's big. what I'm saying. Yeah. How do
1: you lose a unicorn floaty? Well, you're uh, literally, you're really, I mean, these, you could
2: sit two people on oh, some yeah. of these things. And this poor little girl had floaties on and everything. I always tell my kids, swim sideways. You get in a current, it could happen in your lifetime. Don't swim against it. Don't even try. You'll lose every time. Nature will win. Nature will win. <laughs> Nature always wins.
3: I'm oh, the Not perfect I'm um, the perfect example of that one. you that nature wins? Nature always wins. Well, you're just <laughs> saying Darwin hasn't caught up to you yet. Is you that know, what you're saying? Alice has kept it pretty going. tight
2: for you know, ever since he got married. Sometimes it goes south in a hurry. He's kept a good he's yeah,
3: kept a good husband bod going. Hey, when was the last time we were on the air? Together, all three of us? Yeah. Friday. How many so that's so so Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I haven't I haven't ticked off anybody on the air in four days, right? That's pretty good. Is that a uh, is that a preface well, for yeah, why yeah, I might as well get into? After um, I would like to give <laughs> a big I would like to give a big shout out to every single one of the teachers out there. That in these first couple of days, first off to all those that have gone back to schools where the kids are coming back, and your job to keep uh, everybody safe and and try and make things work. A uh, big standing ovation and stick taps uh, to you guys, to all the teachers that um, you know because of the decisions of the different schools or districts uh, that find themselves teaching. virtually Virtually, the job that they are doing is astronomical, especially those that also have kids at home while they're trying to learn. To all the parents... You know that that are managing through it, a big shout of support and and, and stick taps to you because it is not going to be easy, but this is the time that you do not give your kids an excuse to fail. You do not give them a reason why they cannot do something. You don't show them that you wilt under pressure, so you handle it as parents and you make sure that your kids understand and know that they can succeed in this. And then to all the parents on the Rockwood Parents page that decided uh, a couple weeks ago that they were going to rip the teachers and be real jerks and snots and and crybabies uh all of you can just go home so i just figured i'd throw that one out there i could not believe the vitriol from parents towards their educators when it was the teachers had really no say in whether or not the school districts were getting back at it right is that the negative Mm -hmm. comments because they're forcing them back in or because they're not allowing them to there there were comments along the lines of well and i'm going to Make sure every single teacher is On their computer for every single hour During the day oh, maybe they should Be this, this is my favorite so we know Teachers are drastically underpaid anyway right Well maybe uh, we, we should be getting tax money Back since teachers aren't in schools and And it was it was some of the dumbest Stuff I've I've heard in a long time So um, I well, hope What, each what one would of them, you do what would you do curbs I if, don't know what I if, hope karma's getting every one of them right in A butt right now
2: if you knew there was a teacher That was spoken out against it and Didn't want to go in person now what happens Let's say you're at Paul Mono's one night having yep. a nice Italian dinner, and you see that person yep. with four of their high school buddies, and they're drinking and they're having a good old fashioned time. Is that is that a double standard? Is that something to get
3: aggravated with? You mean because if you see a teacher doing that? Yeah, sure, that would be a double so standard. So I guess if yeah.
2: teachers, I guess the argument would be if teachers decide to stay home because they're afraid for their safety, then I think a lot of parents are trying to say that you better be yeah, yeah, but
3: Alex, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Joe, the, the, the issue was this wasn't a decision made by the teachers. This was a decision made by the administrators above them. Okay, well, then that's fair. Th- it's gotcha. very different. Gotcha. I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. If a teacher makes a choice, just like any one of us were to make the choice, look, I'm not going to go into that. Situation for my own safety, or for whatever mm-hmm. reason, and then you contradict that decision with bad behavior. Yeah, you're on the hook for anything. So it's the administration. It's the people this the is, teachers. These amazing calls. Yes, yes. Gotcha. Yes. gotcha. I-, I can tell you from all the teachers I've talked to that they, look, and trust me, with the work that they've got to do now just mm-hmm. to try and make things work, they want to be in the classroom for the most part. Okay, so, like they understand the safety issues there, but if the school districts had said we're going back and teaching, right? then then they'd have been back there but uh, I, I just think the vitriol we saw towards them was was is just so unfair mm-hmm. and wrong so that fired me up o- over the weekend a little bit more too to be a little more frustrated did you hear that zoom completely like just yeah shut down yesterday mm. was well, like it all blew out well imagine what happens when on the first day of school nationwide and in other places around the world everybody is now using your platform right. like that's an awesome problem to have yeah but they got it fixed like within yeah, a couple of hours well that's a part that yeah.
1: always intrigues me about that because when you think of twitter when you think of youtube and facebook for how many people are on there and especially zoom for how many meetings have been going on over these last four to five months How they've been able to just navigate through all of that traffic and keep it up and going without any issues amazed me. So that was bound to happen at one point, but the ability to turn that around and get them back up
3: on the air was impressive. I wonder how many grown adults I just actually hurt their feelings and they're going to go pout now. Because we said to use your head again, we got a lot of listeners out there. It'll, happen, it'll you probably again. hurt a lot of people. Yeah, feelings. It, it'll it'll probably you have happen. A, you have a I'm knack for some people's feelings. No, I have a knack for talking common sense. <laughs> but 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 I, when I, Curb said stick taps there, how yeah. about a couple stick taps, and,
2: and then <laughs> then a couple cross checks. When I joined society after hockey, I remember I was out with some friends and we were having dinner and, was, and someone paid for the bill. I was like, Oh, hey, Robbie, paying the bill. A couple clicks, couple clicks. <laughs> and in hockey, you do clicks, you snap your fingers. Do you really? The coach would always be like, Hey, so and so back from injury. A couple clicks, everyone would snap their. You know, you hear over there. Sure. And uh, I did that dinner. Hey, a couple clicks for
1: O'Raji. And everyone kind of looked at me like I have eight heads. I'm like, nope, no, nobody, nobody. So one time where you're back in a
3: society and you're like, no, that doesn't apply oh here God. right now. I miss hockey. That the a weekend. You know what? This was a, uh, I don't know about you guys. I sat down to watch a couple of games. And, and this happens to me every year when the Blues don't win at all. Um, is that, that it, it's hard for me to sit down those first few days and, and watch a game. Mm-hmm. And Frankly, I found it even that much harder watching Vegas totally dismantle, you know, harder uh, because I found it more. I found it frustrating that the Blues should have been in a
1: series and it should have been an even series and Vancouver shouldn't be there. But then part of me felt like, okay, well, if we're not going to be here. This is the team I'm rooting for And the fact that they just Demolished Vancouver in
3: game one Made it feel a little okay, bit better That's because you took A rooting interest Which is very different I'm not, I'm not sitting there With a rooting interest In this one And I was just kind of Watching it I haven't figured out I think, I think I'm think i going to sink My rooting interest into Tampa Are you? You know But, but I'm uh, That's an unpopular decision I feel like Really? Tampa. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going with Vegas. But doesn't, it, doesn't it sting a little bit more, like when you're going? I know we have a better team than than showed up. Yeah. I know we have better players than what showed up, right? And yeah. we made we made Markstrom look like a Vesna winner, yeah. and, then, and then in the very next game, he just gets dismantled, five. where they're five, wondering five, if he's even coming out for the third period. Yeah, yeah. That, that, you know? that
2: that's what stung the most. It's not so right. much team to team; it's more of like this Markstrom guy is the real deal. He's he's on his way to the Conn Smythe and the Cup final, and all of a sudden, and then, boom, yeah. wham. Like,
1: you've never experienced this because, of course, your first year broadcasting, they go to the Stanley Cup and win it. Have you picked a rooting interest yet or have you still in the in the uncomfortable spot where I don't know about it? Well, the first thing I'll say is when the game ended, we, we were all shaking hands
2: and, <laughs> yes. and I shook her. I shook Kurt's hand. I said. I don't like the way this ended. I like, I like preferred the first, the first way.
1: The only other example I have is winning the Stanley Cup. I I'm, went home and Katie asked my wife. She goes, "So how was it?" And I said, oh, "It was all right. It was just a little tough." I said, "Joe didn't like it because Joe's never experienced yeah, this before.
3: I'm, 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 I'm used to it." To okay. well, so I got spoiled. an idea for our next segment here. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, by the way, coming up on the show, I uh, did an interview with Craig Berube. We're going to bring you a couple of sound bites from that get into his comments. And then an entire interview is going to air tomorrow night between 6 and 7 on the Boardwalk Cardboard Floors Behind the Bench show. I'll also have Doug Armstrong joining us uh, for an interview on that show as well tomorrow night. Why don't when we come back, and if you're listening out there, think about this one. We'll go through each remaining team in the postseason and give you why we would root for them. And why we would not. I like it. Every team each to each one of the teams. We'll just rattle through the eight remaining teams and a reason why we'd root for each one and why we would not. Only one reason, too. One reason for each team. On why and why not. What if what if your reason is two players? Can I say two players and That's, then say who the two players are? Yeah, you can say players. Can, yeah. we'll, we'll call that personnel. Personnel. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right, personnel okay. and then
1: the examples. Right, okay. We'll do that when we come so back. So we'll hit on that next and keep sending the text messages. I know a lot of questions coming in for our air comfort service. Text line 65780. This Week in Hockey continues next on 101 ESPN.
0: Now back to This Week in Hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey 101 ESPN.
1: So we opened up the text line, 65780 Air Comfort Service text line, along with Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario, and a lot of great questions coming in. First one for you, fellas. Andrew texting in, if the Golden Knights start scoring on the power play, is there any team left you would bet on to beat them in a
3: seven-game series? Kerbs? Sure. I mean... I mean look if if first off if uh, Joe if Dallas is able to and they're up 2-0 on Colorado if Dallas is able to beat Colorado then I'd say Dallas has a chance to beat them and I I don't I don't think that the Golden Knights roll Boston I don't think now, I'm not saying they can't beat them I'm saying that they don't roll them mm-hmm. I mean I, I don't know that they roll Boston Tampa or uh or the New York Islanders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the Phillies, I, I think I think the Flyers a little, I think the Flyers, if you get to that point while they've got some, I mean, actually, I mean, that'd be the third team that Elaine Vigneault mm-hmm. takes to the final, right? So I, you got some amazing experience of the coach. I don't know if the experience of the team is going to be enough to handle Vegas if it gets to that point. But yeah, I mean, I I could, yeah I could see somebody making the case that, that Boston or Tampa, I mean, the New York Islanders have given, have played 10 playoff games and have only allowed six five on five goals. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, Barlamoff's been huge. And I, I think that Ve- it's Vegas' is to lose right now. But we all see how quickly that turns. I mean, a week ago, we were sitting here saying that, is anyone going right. to stop Colorado? Yeah, and look what happened. One goaltender goes down. They get a little, little shaky there. And now they're all, all like like snap of a finger they're down two games in a series and now they're fighting their way to stay alive so it could change quickly but for me right now Vegas is Vegas is the team to beat yeah. i mean
1: they're, they're just clicking on all cylinders so keep sending the text messages 65780 air comfort service text line so
3: curbs t well, sorry sorry I'll real quick i'm not convinced that that uh Vancouver's going to be much of a litmus test for them either mm-hmm. i mean in the end i think San Jose despite the blues dismantling them last year was a they were still a bigger test than I think Vancouver is. Look, I, I mean, the Blues play poorly. I, I still, I mean, I give all the, you know me, I've, I've, I give, give plenty of credit to Vancouver winning that series. I'm not taking anything away from them. But I still think that that's a different series if the Blues are playing anywhere close to their game. So I'm curious how that will all play out as things roll along, as Vegas continues to roll. So, speaking of curiosity, Curbs
1: teased it. Uh, why or why not are you rooting for or against a certain team? And we're going to go through the rest of the teams remaining in the postseason. And, fellas, let's start with the uh, let's start with the team we just talked about, Vegas. Uh, okay, so we're going to start with the West. So we'll start with the West. Okay. We'll start with Vegas, Joe. We'll start with you. Why? Give us a reason why and why not you'd be rooting for the Vegas Golden Knights.
2: Well, number one, uh, Paul Stastny, good friend of mine, leaves St. Louis. It probably stung a little bit. The Blues win the Cup. So that's number one reason why I would like to see them win. And I wouldn't like to see them win curves because, gosh, that would take them three years to win their Cup. And took, what, St. Louis, 53, 53 years? Yep. That that to me rubs me. And like, when they when they went to the championship that first year, I'm like, there's
3: no way. There's no way a, a, a team like this can come in their first year and win a Cup. So three years, I think they got more, more dues to pay. So for me, it it is uh, again personnel related. For me, it would be it be Stasney and, and Ryan Reeves, and then you know Dave Gosher, their T, their TV play by play guy, who's Good such man. a close buddy of mine. So that would be why I am rooting for them. Uh, why I am not rooting for them is uh, if not the same reason that that Joe just said, right? Uh, I don't want to see the. I think that they had a good guy and a head coach, and obviously the coaching change has been good. But I just don't want to see that coaching change work out for him. <laughs> can understand that. And I have, nothing, I have nothing against Pete DeBoer. I don't. Yeah. I, I've never dealt with him much, and, and I've heard I've heard mixed things. And, and he's been, he was good to the guys in San Jose, so I'm, I've got nothing against him. We have I history. Just, let's just throw that there. Yeah. S-
1: St. Louis Blues wise in terms of series against Pete DeBoer, we've seen an awful yeah, lot of him over the right. years. So my hey. reason why not to root for Vegas is they have a very similar the team mentality as to the blues and i think after watching the blues fail against vancouver everyone was saying in the postseason oh well speed's going to win this year people need to be faster not so much because if vegas beats you at the physical hard slows type of hockey you're going to find a team that's thinking boy we should have been in that competition simple choice for me as to why i'm picking the vegas golden knights take a listen we saw him uh, just over a week ago play game three game chicago everyone he hears to... the clucking in the background right God, is that, is Ryan, Reeves? Ryan Reeves, yeah, Ryan Reeves is a genius when it comes to just smack talking on the bench and chirping the opposition. And, and look, Ryan Reeves was, along with Paul Stastny, but Reeves was one of the fun guys to cover. He was always generous with his time, and you rooted for a guy like that on the fourth line every night. So yep. Reeves is the reason why I'm rooting for him. Okay, next Next team. one, let's go with their opponent, the Vancouver Canucks. Joe? Uh, Van, I would say, you know,
2: they beat the Blues, so I'm rooting for them for that reason uh to make the blues look a little bit a little bit cushionier uh and then the reason not uh gosh i can't really think of a reason not i, I don't have a reason not I, I like travis green i like some guys on the team brandon setter's my best buddies from playing days i like the personnel i like the youth i like the way that brock besser plays and quinn Hughes. i like all their young guys to me i don't have a reason so, why. so I
3: they could become your team to root for i, I mean they could, they could.
2: i, I could. like their that's, youth i like their that's movement what that opens the door for i like their speed
3: I so okay. we got uh, one. Okay. Okay. The reason for me not to root for them is because they beat us. So heck with that. Um, <laughs> and then, enough. and then the reason to root for them, in my opinion, is uh, I, I think you know from all the reports and again I don't know them well, but I think Alex Edler's story would be really good or. I frankly think if I mean, again, if somebody knew is going to win the cup, I, I think it'd be pretty spectacular for Vancouver to win a Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, that, that would be part of the reason why I would root for Vancouver, because it would be cool to see a team that's never won it before go through the emotions that we that saw we last did, right. year. The part for me is one, they beat the Blues, but two, it's personnel and it's Antoine Roussel it, watching him in that Vegas series. And already yep. with he and Reeves going after it, it was one of those things that it's just like, man, he gets under my skin like a guy like uh, Maltby or Draper used to with the Detroit Red Wings, or a Holmstrom used to get through under your skin, or a Bertuzzi, or a Sedin brothers. Like There's just certain players that get under your skin, and unfortunately, Antoine Roussel is one of those guys for me.
2: Okay, Colorado. Colorado, I would like to see win, because I think that they are the most deserving. I think they're the deepest they have exceptional forwards they have deep defensemen they had the goaltending and I think that Bendert is doing a terrific job he's got an incredible story which I don't have enough time to get into here tonight but uh, his progress and how he got to the National Hockey League an incredible route and so I'm a big fan of his as well so Colorado I like to see win for that reason
3: why? Why wouldn't you want to see him win? Ah, Nathan McKinnon kind of bugs me a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> right. okay. right.
1: we're ben getting ben to works. the point with personnel. I yeah, love ben it works.
3: Okay, for me, Kyle, the reason I don't want to see them win is just flat out. Is I mean, you can't get any cleaner than this. Stan Kroenke owns them. Okay, <laughs> so that's that's the reason why to not root for them. The reason I'm rooting for them is uh, is uh, honestly, I'm going with their coaching staff. And, and Jared Bednar was part of the Blues organization, was a, was a good head coach uh, for the St. Louis Blues organization in the minor leagues. Ray Bennett. Is an absolute gem of a human being, and and I so I would love to see him have success. And then Nolan Pratt is somebody I've known since I was in the minor leagues, and he was a player for us in Springfield in the American League. So I've I've got a lot of personal rooting interest that I'd be happy for some people. And I and I'd have to throw I'd have to throw Eric Johnson in there too. Yeah, He's oh such yeah, a good right. dude. I'd throw him in there. Is that reason? I throw. Unfortunately for all of them, Cronky trumps him. Yeah, yeah, Cronky yeah.
1: takes it. That's a big one for me. And it's just one of those things. I'm like Joe, Nate McKinnon, Landis Cog. Those guys just. They, they itch you the wrong way. Uh, reason to root for, I think Joe Sack is, has done an awesome job with that team in Colorado. Taking over and people look at him and say, ah, well, he hasn't really done anything. He hasn't really won. But the offseason that he had reminds me a lot of what Doug Armstrong did last year. Going out there and getting the personnel to build around that team. And I think Joe Sack deserves a lot of respect for what he did for Colorado.
3: It would be fascinating, really, if you think about what is a key factor that helped set Colorado up if they were to win the cup for both their cup windows, the one, when they first moved to Colorado was Eric Lindros saying, I'm not going to Quebec. And so that forced trade, right. With Philadelphia is really what helped set Colorado up with some of their key pieces. Now, yes, they did go out and they got Patrick Waugh mm-hmm. and Mike Keene and stuff. Okay. So there are other factors, but that's exactly what, what Joe Sackick has done here. But also what has helped them along is the Matt Duchesne deal. Yeah. And what a windfall that wound up being for them. Mm-hmm. So two monstrous, Hockey trades yep. is, is, have 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 turned out very well, well for that especially
1: organization. Especially if you look at Nazem Kadri, and Kadri was a player in Toronto that people were like, "Oh, well, this guy's never going to pan out to what he needs to be here," and he never could live up to the expectations. And you go to Colorado, and he's been
3: possibly behind Nate McKinnon, their best player so far in the postseason play. Yeah, he's he, he was an he was an excellent uh, force for them. All Dallas right. Stars, the well, Dallas Stars for me, uh, you know, uh, real simple. The reason uh, to root against them is. Is the Jamie Ben face wash on Alex Patrangelo, yep. um, and and the fact that I think you know that each year it seems that the last three years their top players have had to be called out for effort. Uh, to me, though, the reason to root for them, uh, another very clear one for me, is Ben Bishop and Jim Nill. I, I think that their their general manager, again, such a genuinely good man and and so friendly and kind to everybody in the business and then I'm I'm just ever since he was here I've been a huge fan of not only the player but the person in Big Bish.
2: Jim Nill took a 50%
3: cut during
2: the pandemic, yep. yeah. to look after the employees. I mean, uh, I just to me, my I'll tip my hat to that, and that is the one and only reason. Probably, I would love to see Dallas win. So to Curbs' point about Jim Neal being an awesome dude, and then uh, to not see them win, uh, I don't like divers. That Esselandell Robert Portuzo <laughs> yep. situation. Yeah. I, Greg I, like divers,
1: I don't like embellishers, and that that just still rubs me the wrong way. Greg Luganis, one of the best calls from that playoff run last year by Curbs on that. Uh, yeah. yeah, the the defensemen irk me on that Dallas team because it's a, it's a lot of guys who. Embellish embellish an awful lot um and of course jamie ben with that face wash but bishop for me and i've only known jim nill a little bit i interviewed him this year during one of our pregames and a phenomenal man but ben bishop for me is one of those guys that you root for in the nhl so you got to go with the ties there you you know the worst
3: part about that is i got to be honest with you like i like jamie ben a ton Mm -hmm. right I, i want that kind of fire on my team right I really so much don't have a... Pro- I had to find something to not like right, but I don't so much have a problem with that face ross I have a problem and still have always had a problem with the complete lack of response the from reaction, the St. Louis Blues yeah. to that, and there's yep. never been anything more. It was Sitting the same on thing top with, of them wasn't great well, It was the same thing with Seabrook on Bacchus. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, and for years, there was just nothing. And Thornton on Perron, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Yeah, but Joe Thornton isn't hasn't remained that agitator type player. That 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 was just a dumb hit that didn't go well. But yes I mean, that, that could be part of it, but yeah, yeah, those other two. So let's do
1: this. Let's take a break and come back and we'll hit the four from the Eastern Conference. And we'll also get into the Blues because I do want to get into uh, some of the comments that the players talked about of just not having that full effort there in the series against uh, the Vancouver Canucks. He's Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. The East reasons why and why not, and the Blues struggles next on 101 ESPN.
0: We are right back to it this week in hockey on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN.
1: Back in here on a Tuesday night, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrari with you. Curbs will have behind the bench tomorrow night from six to seven o'clock conversation with Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong uh, wrapping up the season. And we'll hear from Craig Berube coming up in our next segment. But fellas, let's continue this conversation. (laughs) Reasons why and why not to root for teams as we've gone through the West made some pretty compelling arguments let's get to the east let's start with a game on right now bruins leading the lightning one
3: nothing and leading them in the series one to nothing curbs let's start with you let's start with tampa Tampa, that, that's a simple personnel one for me when it comes to, uh, to Shaddy, to Pat Maroon, and to their head coach, John Cooper. I, I, I think Cooper's won everywhere he's been. I do believe, whether it's with Tampa or not, he's going to win a Stanley Cup somewhere. So that would be why I would root for, for Tampa Bay. Um, I, I don't really have any villains on that side, so I, I kind of got to go Joe here. I don't. I, I don't have a reason to not root for them so that's why they're kind of the leader in my rooting clubhouse that's your team then that's that, your team you're that's kind with. of the one you know I don't I uh, yeah it, it's it's kind of like I don't I'd I have to really dig to try and find something, and I can't find. I mean, I love going down there for games. I like the atmosphere yeah. in their building. I love what their owner and the, the infrastructure and and the commitment he's made—not just to the team, but to the to the area around it. Yeah. What they've built. I, I they're the radio play-by-play guy I've known since the East Coast Hockey League. I mean, there's I don't have a. I can't think of a reason. Rick Peckham. It'd be great to see him in his final year. Terrific uh, TV play-by-play guy going out. So I, yeah. that's probably my leader in the clubhouse to root for. I think for those reasons, that's why I'm not
2: rooting for them because Tampa's already got it all. Like it's the most sought-after that's place part of me to too. play. Right, got, players want to go there. The fans, you're by the beach. Uh, great tax benefits. Uh, there's the, the <laughs> team is great. The coaches are great. Uh, so they already have it all, and now they're going to get a cup. So to me, I'm, I'm like, ah, you know, don't give them a cup. Shouldn't the good guys could win, can't they? Yeah, you know, but they already have everything. Anyway, yeah, they're right. in Florida okay, too. Come all on, right, so why not? Uh, okay, so why no? So that was the why not. I don't want them to win. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry I'm sorry.
3: So, so why? For then? Yeah.
2: I like the way they play, and I would love for the league to trend this direction. It's a great point. I love Kucherov. Okay. I love Kalorn. I love how Tyler Johnson plays. They have skill. They come over the blue line. They pull up. They look for a play. They're not afraid to turn the puck over, right? It's that old-school Brett Hall, Wayne Gretzky style of hockey that... Um, well, I guess the Blues don't play. You know, that's why they won a championship, which is OK. But I would like to see the sport get back to that. Just skilled guys, short, uh, maybe not as physical, not as many penalties, a lot of power plays, whatever. Just just get back to that style of game. It's a lot more fun to watch. Yeah, Joe, not-
3: can, can a team that has played as loose as they do could end up playing, can they win it? They can if they learn how to play
2: through it. And okay. that really comes down to that personnel. Can Kucherov play through that the fight of the Boston Bruins? I mean, we're going to find out in this round. Can last year they didn't have an answer for it, you know? But then you look at what they did by bringing in Pat Maroon and it got a little bit more bite to you, and and all that's another reason why I like to see the Tampa. Bay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love the way they play too. Plus, Pat Maroon, you root for a guy like that who you know in all occasions before St. Louis, he was pretty much voted off the island in the NHL. It seemed like. Um, on top of that, though, why not? Uh, I'm kind of like Joe like uh, they, they they have everything like they really do and on top of it all of the the Top picks that they've had over the years and the talented players that they've had like they always Find diamonds in the rough from these drafts with these players and it's just you know I don't want to see a team keep getting lucky like that okay Boston <laughs> this Bean one, town this one will be easy
2: Joe uh, for not I mean the most spoiled city sports City in America they win everything over and over and over and over and over. So I think they could spread the wealth a little bit. Didn't win last year. But the reason why I I would like to see them win, because, man, they they are battle-tested, and they've gone through quite a couple, well, I guess it's how the 18 months, whatever it's been. I mean, uh, hearing stories of Jake DeBrusque not leaving his house from his father after they lost in Game 7 for four to six weeks. I mean, toiling through that in a short offseason, and then being on top of the east to finish i mean they didn't miss a step like the st louis blues and now they're going to take a four and a half month break come back to this bubble and win it like give me a break like if you're going to do that man you absolutely deserve it
3: uh okay i was originally just going to say i have absolutely no reason to root for them period um and yet so for some reason and i don't know how this happened like uh for me, a team that I tend to follow in the NBA is is the Celtics, and my favorite team in the American League was always the Red Sox. And I and, and Joe knows this. I, I absolutely love that city. I love going to it. Love being in it and stuff. Um, I, I they are the one sports team uh, aside from the Patriots that I'm like, oh, to hell with it. But but if I actually, but I'll give you a reason to root for them. All right, um, this is a team that won the Stanley Cup in 2011 they went back or okay they go back and they end up losing the, the in the Stanley Cup final. They were in the Stanley Cup final again last year and lost. That is an organization that has built some level of consistency right in the Stanley Cup era where if they were to make it it would be their fourth trip to a Stanley Cup final in the in, in the salary cap era. Now, aside from the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's it. I mean, and I guess penguins would. Yeah, they've won. They went to. They've they won they, two, lost. They've their, won three.
2: They've been there three times. And well, since yeah, and then they, they lost, lost to Detroit. Oh, oh nine though. Right. Oh, so they've nine. been there
3: four times too. Four, right? right. So one three lost one. I, I just there. I I do love the fact that there is something to be rewarded for that kind of consistency, and that would that would be the reason uh, for me that I'd be okay if they lifted it.
1: Geez, how about that record? Win three, lose one. And four Stanley Cup championships. That's that's unreal. Um, I, I'm glad that you both said that because I had nothing to root for in Boston. Like, I, literally nothing, everything about them. I'm kind of like, turn them off when they're on. But I've been rooting for Tampa in this series. But at least there's something to look forward to. But other than that, there's just a lot for me that is just not worth rooting for.
3: I'll tell you, I don't, I don't, I don't think Yara Halak is going to get them all the way through it, too. I, I have no faith in him. I... I I didn't like his attitude here in St. Louis. Um, nice guy, treated people well, but um, I don't think he was—he was a very good teammate to guys here. You know, was so sour about the trade from Montreal, and and sometimes his his lack of willingness to work with those teammates really I think hurt the St. Louis Blues. So our, that's our boy,
2: our boy up in Monica's. Though I win it for I
3: want to win it for him. See, that's an, like I said, the city absolutely. So oh, that's for, a good city. So we, so had for, the best, yeah. we had At the
2: best. We had the best two weeks of. My life in Boston. That yes, was a for, we could
3: not have picked a better condition. for rubbing that in, boys. That would Sorry, be yep. Me. That's another great reason, and I would be sending those guys. You know, and and look, um, I mean, what a, what a story is Ochar is. See, I'm talking myself in the I- white, but I don't want to like it. All right, so <laughs> move on Pick to the, the next team. one. Move on. We
1: got two more
3: Islanders, Joe.
2: Islanders I would like to see them win Because I just love Barry Trotz I love how he He had a conversation with Barzal when he came In and took over for the Islanders and he said He had the same conversation he had with Ovi When he was in Washington he said listen you're exceptional with the Puck but I'm going to work on your game away from the puck because you only have the puck 4% of the game and you don't have the puck 96% of the game. So we're going to work on the 96%. And I love the way he has shaped young players and how he has gotten some of the best in the world to be even better. I think he's an incredible coach. That's the reason why. Uh, The reason why not... Um, You know, you look at Jonathan Tavares, who is just an incredible guy, a great leader, and I kind of feel bad for him a little bit. Like, you know, the Islanders they lose him, and they just they just took off. This his choice. No, 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 lose him. Now, now, hold on, lose him. Not saying lose him. I'm just saying that you know he he ends up leaving. And he's not a type of guy The way he handled leaving for Toronto He wasn't sour at New York And even no. when he came back and they booed him And threw rats on the ice He, he handled it like a gentleman yeah. The guy's a gentleman, he's a true yep. leader I think he's a great person So I kind of, I do feel for him a little bit In the sense a that they, point. they continue to take off
3: Okay, uh, I'm, I'm very similar to you On the same on the reason to root for them um, Mad respect for Barry Trotz From the days that he was Coaching in Portland, Maine In the American League and has and, and is, and is just always been a genuine good guy, and he's a hell of a great coach. Uh, why Washington couldn't figure out how to get the term for him is mind blowing to me. So, um, by the way, Pat Maroon just made an unbelievable play in that game. You watched the, watch the big boy stick. Or is that Maroon? That's Bogosian. Oh, though. that's Bogosian that jumped it. I thought it was 14. Wow. Anyway, Tampa tied it with Boston 1 1. So, b- but for me, so I, I would like to – I think it's an amazing story that Barry Trotz can do with that team when they lose their starting goaltender and Robin Leonard. And, you know, Tavares decides to leave. They've got – they had the building issues for all those years that this coach had to manage through. So to me that was that. The reason I, I don't root for him is – I, I know this is sacrilege in some hockey circles, but Lou lamarillo um, Oh, you don't like Lou? No, I like him. No, I listen. I, I've said I've said this many times, and I truly believe this. Is it because of the plane thing? I, I no, it's it, no. It actually goes bigger than that. I think when it comes to hockey acumen, I mean there is no doubt that he has a formula and knows how to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think anybody can even if, if they, they'd have to be a lunatic to try and not one, applaud, two, reward his the, the hockey acumen of what it takes to win. When you talk to players that have played for him, they talk about extreme loyalty, you know, and, and that's something that you have to like about him. So in that sense, from a hockey standpoint, you know, uh, for his teams, you could say with the success he had in New Jersey and then what they may find in, in, in Long Island, you know, you say, well, that's, that, that's a reason to support. I, I could also say that I think in the last, 20, 25 years, I could probably explain why he's probably one of the top three or four worst people for hockey. And the reason is, is he won with the trap. That seemed to put the game in a mud because yeah. people started to, to imitate it. Um, the finger control that he has on players prevented us from really seeing a, the, the personality we know that Martin Brodeur and others have. I mean, I, I, a player came. I did a radio show with a former New Jersey devil. He had to ask me every single time during a break, is this OK? Is this OK? Because we weren't allowed to talk to the media beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that he has shown uh, enough respect to this side of the business. Not not so much the plain thing, but just, you know, and, and how, you know, not giving the guys the access they need to do it. And then from a marketing standpoint, I don't believe he cared whether he played in front of a full building or two people in New Jersey. And not it's not his job to care about that. But, you know, I, I do believe that general managers these days do have to have a pulse of the business side of it. And, and while I know he does, I, I just... I mean, it, it, it's nuts to me that they won as long as they did and as, as often as they did and just never had consistently great crowds in New Jersey. So I, that's why I'm not a fan. Final one, Philly. Joe? I don't want him to win because I hate that McGritty. I think I speak <laughs> for Curbs, too. Yep. And, <laughs> Simple uh, answer. Did we just turn McGritty into a McDonald's? It, is it McGritty? Or, oh, it's Gritty. It's just gritty it's just but you gritty. just put a Mick yeah. at the front and of
2: so it. I okay. got a McMuffin on my mind. Yeah. You know, that's number one. Why I would not and why I would you know, I think there's I, I got some close friends on that team. Matt Niskin is one of my close buddies. Uh, Kevin Hayes is hilarious. He's a great personality for the game, as you yep. just mentioned. Uh, and so that's number one. And then Mike Yo, of course, mm-hmm. I, I think Mike Yo is a solid human being. He did a lot of great stuff for me in Pittsburgh when he was the American League coach. And, um, you know, that must have been tough for him watching the Blues win the cup last year. And I would love to see some redemption for a good front
3: um i don't i don't have other than some of the ugliness of their fans i don't have a reason to really root against philadelphia i'm actually um uh, elaine for the same reason mike yo but then i think elaine vigno is uh, again another spectacular coach coaches treats people right and and i mean wow what to see him take three teams to a stanley cup final would yeah. be really something spectacular he's helped turn the culture of that uh, you know franchise and organization around and you know what They're expansion brothers of the St. Louis Blues, and I know they won some cups early on. The Blues went to three finals. They just didn't get it done. The Flyers did. The Flyers did because they toughened their team up to play against the St. Louis Blues. So uh, I'll I'll go ahead and maybe root for an expansion brother of the Blues. Um, Mine's
1: Mike Yo. Uh, I root for I mean he was always such a good guy to talk to here he was always open as a head coach to talk to and Philly's just one of those cities for me that's just hard to root for like any other Philadelphia team it's just hard to get uh, on that bandwagon so that's kind of the wrap of all eight teams that are still in it pick your sides as we move along towards the Stanley Cup final Curbs had a conversation with Craig Berube you'll hear the full interview tomorrow night on behind the bench but we're going to start a little discussion and hear a couple of clips from the head coach next here on 101 ESPN
0: more of what you Want to hear this week in hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey 101 ESPN.
1: time this hour this week in hockey Alex Ferrario, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale with you Play more Blues discussion to get into next hour. We'll get a lot of text messages to get into as well and if you have questions about the offseason for the Blues 65780 our Air Comfort Service text line. So Kerbs had the conversation with Craig Berube earlier today and you'll hear the full conversation tomorrow night on Behind the Bench presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors from 6 to 7 o'clock. Also Doug Armstrong a part of the show but a lot of people talking about the Performance of the team in the bubble and against Vancouver. Here was the head
4: coach's comments on that. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, just think uh, going over everything in your head and maybe what we could have did a little bit better. Or, you know, to you know, to have a better result and, and all those things. We've talked with coaches and uh, general manager and players, and you know, I think we're all on the same page of why we failed, and you know, just. You know, something that happens. So you got to make sure. Don't you know? We got to be better next time.
3: Well, What were some of the things that that you could point to that just didn't quite click the way you wanted it to, and why?
4: Well, I didn't think that we had everybody playing at a high enough level for sure. Defensively, we weren't good enough, and I didn't, you know, I didn't think that uh, you know we helped their goalies out much. But they 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 have to be better too, and we just needed more guys going, and we didn't we didn't have it you got to learn, you know, for me is we went there and we didn't perform as a team. And that's the biggest thing I'm going to take from this. When you go and you want to play in the playoffs and you want to be successful, you have to perform as a team. You can't have certain individuals performing at a high level and doing a job and then other people not performing at a high enough level. You won't win. And you've got to perform as a team. And the biggest thing I'll take out of this whole playoffs. we didn't perform well enough as a team i look back at uh phase two and and you know we didn't have a ton of guys skating together and everybody was kind of scattered all over you know guys coming in at certain times and later and all that and it's it's not easy just to get everything going in two or three weeks you know it takes time and um you know so like i said we just You know, we we quite didn't get together as a team good enough. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're out.
1: And, Curbs, this isn't just the conversation that Craig Berube is saying. This is something we heard David Perron say yesterday, Ryan O'Reilly say earlier today. It just wasn't a full team effort out in Edmonton, which is why the Blues find themselves sitting at home.
3: Joe, does – is this a case where, while it was respectfully earned – Maybe the coaches or management gave a little too much autonomy to the players. In what way? In 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 terms of how things were allowed to be handled, right? Right. I mean, I know you couldn't force guys to come in for that second. I was because
2: that, that comment really stuck out to me. Yeah. And that was something I thought about as Phase 2 opened up, and you're seeing on social media the Tampa Bay Lightning almost all together, The Boston Bruins were. Ryan Reeves told us on that Zoom call we had with them. I remember the Vegas Golden yeah. Knights. It's funny you say that because uh, there was that also, uh, there was some sort of joke that happened in Vegas, but I'm looking at this practice, at their practice facility, which you, know, you and I have been a part of out there, Curbs. And there there looked like there was fifteen, sixteen guys out there. And then you talk to the blues players and ask how they're doing here, and there's there's a sprinkle. O'Reilly's here, Gunnarson's here, a couple of the guys who had kids or about to have kids are kinda hanging around, but there
3: weren't a lot of people outside that.
2: And, and I don't and know, even
3: then they were skating. a group of guys were skating in, in Maryville, Chesterfield. Out in Maryville, yeah. Versus versus kind of starting to go into the bubble part of things. So. I don't
2: know if it was Geez, we just won the cup. It was a short off season. It's been a long year. We finished in first Was there too much? Was there a little bit of complacency? Maybe I don't know that we we've done this before we can do it again We can turn the switch on when we want to and that's certainly that mentality set the tone I think in the round-robin games where they're like just waiting 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 and and Unfortunately, the the switch distance does not pop on like that unfortunately, but yeah I think maybe to your point it was too much given to the players maybe too much trust given to the players and I don't know it's a tough question because I think Craig Berube instilled a lot of trust in the players last year about days off him and Petro met you know daily he was constantly on going to the back of the plane he's always asking guys how you're feeling what do you think talking to Ray Berube what do we need talking to the trainers what do we need so I think that he I think he could be a um, a guy that likes different opinions from players and trainers and, and tries to to make it and then you know there's there's two sides to it but I think the players appreciate that I don't think players at this age like to be told what to do. Uh, Can you look at
3: that and make that as an excuse? I'm not really sure. You know what? I got the sense, and it's about a 15-minute interview that will air tomorrow night with him, with with a lot more on that. We talked about some specific players. You know, I I got the sense in how he answered the questions that— To your point, if we had just continued on from the regular season, there was already kind of a system of communication and expectations in place. Mm -hmm. I think that left a little bit because of the, the four and a half month layoff. Yeah. Right. To. It was hard to step right back in thinking that all that's in place and, and not enough time for this team to kind of rebuild it up. And so I think you're right. I think I think way too many players thought, well, we, we've been through this before. We know what it's going to take. We're just going to be able to do it. And by the time they got to the point of we need to be able to do it, some teams had already surpassed their intensity level, and and that wound up being a difference. Well, we, I think also, sorry, sorry
2: Alex, just my last point before I turn it to you. You know, there there is there was some money involved with this. I think players felt a little insulted by the fact that their last paycheck was withheld. Yeah. And they're looking at it like, you know, I'm not sure how it works for like assistant coaches. And but that coaches. was a choice the players made. Well, I think it was a choice they had to make
3: for, for escrow in the future. Right. Well, that part is true. But again, that's also part of a system that they negotiated to have happen. That's right. It's hundred percent on them in my book. Yeah.
2: But, you know, I I don't know. I'm i not going to say sit here and say that I think the players Willfully made that decision because I think they looked at it like they had to make that decision moving forward so I mean I see I see your point, but I just think that if, if you're looking at it from a financial standpoint, you know players were probably looking at it like You know, we're not we're not getting paid We don't know when we're gonna get paid if we're gonna get paid There's just, there's a lot of moving parts, you know, there's a lot of moving parts there. This was their family time They didn't know how long this bubble would be I think a lot of them thought they played till October and I thought they were trying to probably salvage as much family time as possible Uh, Because they thought they were going to be there for two and a half months, possibly. So, does that
3: what does that say when you're seeing other teams that apparently may not
2: say that curbs? And I I don't have enough knowledge on this yet because I I need to get someone way smarter on the data. Is how do they compare to every other team in the league? Have you had any numbers? Crunched on that yet? Like, are we that far off from the league average? Is well, that, is that had, a league-wide problem? The or blues is that had blues 21
1: problem? comebacks last year that were most in the NHL. Now I don't know how that
2: works well, with but, the two-goal yeah, deficit. No, no, but that
3: was that was sometimes one goals, right? So, but
1: but
2: I think but, I think but, this is like the like your second-grade teacher who's got the mole it, on her face with the big long hair. It's just like you just, when you just can't, it, yeah. But when molded, it's getting molded, to molded, you know, molded. it's just that
3: little mole for you. But when it's getting to 13, 15, 16 times in a season. Yeah, yeah, but you're also coming back a lot, though, too, like Alex said. And the Chicago Man. game, both two Chicago games, you hockey. were down by
1: two and you
2: came well, back. that
3: <laughs> I've never denied. <laughs> that I've <laughs> never denied. It's ulcer-driven hockey. Uh, all
1: right. Let's take a break, and when we come back. Petro. And, uh, to Petro. Another thing that could look different next year. Thanks for ruining the tease, curves. Jeez. Jeez. We'll talk Petrangelo and what the future looks like next on oh, one I guess we yeah, see the oh. future. <laughs>
0: NHL talk more often This Week in Hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey 101 ESPN
1: This Week in Hockey Curves. Joey, Alex, hanging out with you until 8 o'clock. Behind the bench, coming your way tomorrow night from 6 to 7. Craig Baruby, Doug Armstrong will be a part of that program. And, I know one of the questions that's going to be brought up is, of course, Alex Petrangelo. You're not going to get a lot of answers right now because right now it's Alex Petrangelo and Doug Armstrong's decision to come to a deal. But Petro did talk about that earlier today on a Zoom conference call, talking about the opportunity to stay with St. Louis and what he's looking at most with that. So take a listen.
5: Lots of guys do it. I hope it doesn't get to that point. I mean, they grew up here, this is the only place I know... um, You know, professionally, it's uh, obviously, you know, families here, I grew up here, uh, grew up here as a player and as a person, like I just said before. So, um, you know, it's part of the business, unfortunately, and uh, the situation is what it is, but uh, hopefully that that circumstance doesn't happen and we'll see where this thing takes us. So
1: that was Petro being asked, you know, the possibility of playing for another team. And then, of course. The other question for Petro is looking at the legacy of staying in St. Louis and what that could mean if he finishes career here.
5: Obviously I, I want to stay a blue. Of course I do. I mean, that's like, I we've touched on that. It's the only place I've known professional hockey. So, um, you know, legacy is obviously important. This this organization means a lot to me, right? It, it certainly, uh, and, and, you know, you see Al come around and see all the other alumni who are around regularly. That means a lot, right? It's guys who have a great relationship with the organization that have been around and really set their roots in, in St. Louis. Um you know, but whether it's here or somewhere else, and you want to play to the best of it, to your ability and leave a legacy wherever you are. And that goes along with, you know, on the ice and off the ice and, and trying to impact the organization and the community. So whether it's here or anywhere else, I think it's important for me uh, to really kind of, you know, set my roots wherever it is. and And I know my wife feels the same way.
1: And he also went on to say, guys, that he's already having tough conversations with his wife of uh, obviously what could be potentially an offseason that he does find somewhere else in St. Louis. So let's just start with this. You know, the, the, the decision on hand for Alex Petrangelo and for Doug Armstrong to essentially come to a deal or potentially go in your separate ways and make a franchise-changing decision.
2: Well, I mean, the first thing I'll say is that with the cap staying the same, the pandemic hitting... You know he's not going to maybe get what he would want before. Let's say if a deal was done struck in October, that Roman Yosi deal that happened, I believe it was in November. Yeah. I think that's the comp. Uh, you, you mean comp? You, you, you no got look $1. for comps. You gotta look for comps, right? I, who do I compare to where I'm at? I think there is a lot of argument that Alex Petrangelo is worth more than Roman Yossi. At the time, I think we can make that argument big time. You win a Stanley Cup, the numbers are very close. I think Roman had him a little bit edged on the offensive numbers, just a little bit, Uh, and I think Petro's maybe just a year older. I think Roman's 29, Petro's 30, if I'm I'm not mistaken. So, you know, a couple things that kind of, you know, up and down, up and down, but I think that you you figure in the fact that the first player to raise a Stanley Cup for this franchise, I think you can make the case that he's worth more than nine million. And I think he was stuck on that number. I think he he thought he felt that he deserved over nine. I don't know if Doug felt that way that he would get to that number without jeopardizing the quality of this team. And I think that's where we found ourselves at a standstill. And I think we continue to find ourselves at a standstill. But I don't know about you, Curbs. To me it's it's less about how much and I think the players are really focusing on how contracts are structured. That's that's a big one. I mean, a, huge. You, you look at right the Drew Dowdy. Doughty, Drew Dowdy's making $11 million until like 20, 2027. Roman Yossi's deal, he's getting paid $9 bucks
3: all the way up to 2028. But there's a huge – but the difference this, – this is where I think players and, – and again, take us into the player's world on this, Joe, but this is where I think players are going. It's a different world for them right now. And let's start with something basic. So you and I were talking about the players deciding last, you know, to not take their last paycheck because of the way the CBA is written. And, and basically players owe escrow if the money paid out doesn't equate to 50-50 of the hockey revenue that comes in. So what they've done in this new CBA is negotiate a way where the big issue for the players was the amount of escrow they're playing. goes. By the end of the six years, they hope to have that escrow down to 6%. Next year, that escrow is going to be at 30%. Is it that? I thought it was 20. Maybe it is 30. Is it 30? I was was told yesterday it's 30. Okay. It's going to be right around 30. Okay. So if that's the case, and even let's just say it's 25 to 30. Uh All right. Initially, if you were a player, like a lot of players are wanting to get their money and signing bonuses and more up front, that way, if it's a long-term deal and a team goes to buy you out, you still earn most of the money on that contract. Right. I wonder if the new because of structure... Because escrow meaning, increase, yeah. Like, if, if, if you're able to sign an eight-year deal, and you're Alex Petrangelo... Which I think is the term he's looking for. Do you almost take these first two years, because you know the escrow is going to be high, do you almost take as low as you possibly can in the first two years, load it up... In the midsection In there? the midsection, from like a me. signing bonus standpoint, however you can do that, right? Or, or the rest, like... Like, if you've got enough confidence in yourself that you're not going to get bought out, back-end it. And actually, by back-ending it, maybe you make the buyout that much harder. But by back-ending it, you're actually going to be making more money because at that point, maybe you're only playing, paying 6% escrow versus 30 That's That's a huge factor in this from a just an individual business standpoint that these players are going to have to look at it. So then you ask yourself, well, what what teams can structure things a certain way you know and and the bottom line is is right now the blues for next year have 79 million committed of an 81 million dollar salary cap right the year after that because of as much comes up the books it's only 47 million committed the year after that so 3 years from now right it's only 34 million committed so the blues have the flexibility to build this out the way they want to build this out it's just how do you make it work within the next, I think, two years, yeah. and how do you make it work within the cap structure of eighty-one million, and then with the way a player would like it, and and that 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 to me becomes a major factor that I'm not sure you can then turn around and compare. It's just not going to be as simple as saying to me, Doughty got eleven, Yossi got nine. Yes, there is the player comparison. Mm-hmm. The structure of the contract may end up being vastly different. Well, I mean, you look at the if you look at the structure.
2: And I think this is what's important to players. You know, look at Ryan Souter, who's 35, who's making seven, a little over seven million bucks, who's got five more years left on his deal. Curbs, I don't know about you, I've watched him play this year. He doesn't live that contract out. He will get bought out at some point, right? So they're going to buy out that seven. But, but
3: now remember, both his and Zach Parise's were twelve-year contracts at the point. time, yep. and then because it was coming out of that that last lockout, everybody each remember each contract got rolled back twenty percent. So they went from where they were supposed to be making like twelve million a, a year to nine million. Yeah. on that, and but then you're right; the term is still there, and I don't see him nor Parise playing. So, those for out. the
2: player standpoint, I think it's just. Petro is going to be th- he's 30 he'll be 38 if he gets an eight year deal I think he's realistic to think that when he's 35 and 36 there's a potential buyout in the making and and you ask me what a player would think right now and without considering the escrow because a lot has changed you're right and that's, and that's beyond my pay grade but a one million dollar buyout when you're 37 and 38 is
3: is gonna it's gonna fare much better for you than if you're making
2: if you're making the nine nine
3: point five, but they're that, not allowed to do that anymore on those contracts too, and that's the other challenge. What are not well you can't go from you can't go from we're paying you this, paying you this, paying you this to just paying you a million. It has to be spread out more evenly. Well,
2: I, I was con- I was considering though that with bonuses not when not with
3: the or oh, you salary, mean the actual base salary, the base okay, salary
2: bonuses yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. throw it all in the lump sum of it. But gotcha. but that's the other point too, which Doug Armstrong, he doesn't throw out a lot of bonuses, really ever. Right. You know what I mean? As far as how these structures contract. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a to me, that's it's it's less about the money with Petro and from the conversations I've had internally with. Players and people that know him very well. I don't, I think it's less about. I mean, it's, of course, the the numbers important. I'm not saying it's not important, but if if there is a quarter million, half a million here, that's a little bit off compared to what he could get, important to him as much as how this thing is going to be structured. He's wants he wants to protect himself. He wants to protect himself when he's 37, 38, and not have to eat three million dollars in a buyout, which which could well, happen.
3: And and there was also one of his really good buddies. This is a guy, a friend of ours, right? And Carlo Koliakovo. Mm-hmm. Carlo Colicchio tweeted a couple of days ago that respect is 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 what's going to matter. And I, th- you know, he didn't he didn't attribute that quote to Alex, but you know, they've talked, and I and knowing Alex the way we know him, I'm not sure how respect is defined, right? But I think respect, either through the process, how it's handled, and then the number, all plays a role in this. And I do believe that that will that that will make it happen. Troy Brower told us that first year he was in Calgary. All right, that it was that they got a call and and and, and they were told, okay, you and David Backus, here's the cap space I have. Whoever wants it gets it, right? That approach I think would turn petrangelo off and and, and I, th- I think doug armstrong knows that mm. so that that to me is curious look when we come back there so that we can hit some a little bit more the free agency pool
1: yeah that's is going actually next.
3: really an interesting one now versus what we've seen in some recent years and to me and i'll explain when we come back it specifically comes down to age and this could end up impacting petrangelo yeah so we'll hit on that next free agency off
1: season on 101 espn
0: non-stop wall-to-wall NHL talk this week in hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitali on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey 101 ESPN ESPN, ESPN.
3: All right, so we welcome you back into This Week in Hockey. Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrari with you. We'll keep the show rolling here throughout the offseason and uh, make sure everybody's set on everything they need to know currently what's going on with hockey. But, Joe, I want to stick with this Alex Petrangelo you know, topic here. And I'm going to start with this question. I wonder if the performance in this year's playoffs emphasized – how important of a need he still is for the St. Louis Blues team. I, I don't think it's as clear and easy as he leaves and and Pareko slides into that you know that kind of role yet. Are you talking about as far as the quality from which we saw out of Colton Pareko? Well, I'm talking from no I'm talking from a standpoint of you are still within this window to win a cup. You are in a window right now, mm-hmm. and I don't. And when I look at so so when I break down the defense right now, especially with Jay Bulmester being done, okay, I mean I know he hasn't officially retired, but we we know that that let's we're 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 pretty safe in assuming he's not going to be coming back. We know he's not. So if, if the the way I look at it is okay, so you've got you've got Scandella now under contracts to four years. He and Pareko looked pretty good. Is Scandella a top two guy? I don't know. Top four, because essentially he was in that top four situation. They rotated Gunnerson and Dunn and Falk with Petrangelo. So we never settled in on a, on a top pairing with Alex Petrangelo, which also speaks volumes to, I think, the really solid, great season that Alex Petrangelo had. All right? Because you had the four righties, you, all season long, you really never found a solid home for Justin Falk. You were subbing in Bortuzzo and Gunnarsson. Mm-hmm. So, Gunnarsson would come right from being a healthy scratch to being in your top pair with Petrangelo. But, he, I mean, even in the playoffs, well, okay, so we're going to find out he was nicked up, I guess. But, you know, or at least he said he was unavailable to play. So, you know, the the, the wild card to me is Perunovic. But to me, a Perunovic pushes a Vince Dunn right now. Because we haven't, I mean, I think we could see more on a regular basis from Vince Dunn. We're not talking about a guy that's pushing the top six. So I think you've got to ask, you've got to weigh, I guess, the cap situation of where you're going to see yourself needing, you know, to sign guys that following year. But unless unless you think you can somehow take what is a gap and decrease that gap with a guy like uh, a Tyson Berry or another free agent defenseman that may not cost you as much as Alex Petrangelo. I mean, I I I, I think it's still in the Blues best interest to find a way to sign him if you're going to take it full advantage of this window you're in. Well, with Tyson Barry shooting as a righty, too, that would be a, a great
2: fit. Because, you know, Tory Krug's still out there. He's available with the left shot. I don't know if that would be something that, that would happen. The Perunovic thing's interesting, curves, but I, I look at it more of so that a reason to— and this this is just—let's just say I'm hot-taking. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but, you know, Hobie Baker, kid. Uh, Moves very well He's shifty He can run a power play He plays with bite If he can be ready in a couple years To me that's another reason Why Doug Armstrong could look at it Like why you would let him go Uh, Not only Vince Dunn But also Petrangelo But I kind of feel the opposite And I think some people can make the argument For feeling the opposite for Petro uh, Based off of how this year went And the angle I would take on this year's playoffs And why I would say the argument is Maybe you're okay without him would Be I think our best defenseman was Justin Falk and I think Justin Falk has proven to in be in the playoffs in the playoffs Okay, I think he has proven to be an exceptional defenseman when he's given a bigger role mm-hmm. He was like that in Carolina and now he comes into st. Louis Blues and he's like the fifth sixth guy kind of the second guy Maybe not so much but once you give that kid a little bit of a leash when Colton break all of a sudden just did not show up very well Right, And you give Justin Falk more ice time. I mean, he ate it up. He's a guy that that grabbed a hold of it and took advantage of it. That's a very fair point. So if you're Doug Armstrong, do you look at it like, you know what? We gave Justin some room to grow here, and he grew. This is the
3: Justin Falk we traded for, we got from Carolina. But he's not Petrangelo level. He's definitely not Petrangelo level. But but you're saying by giving him more ice time, are we bridging that gap that I was referring to? Exactly. He's
2: not Petrangelo, but he's also not going to make he's going to make $3 million probably less than Petrangelo.
3: So if you can make that work,
2: you know, so if Colton's going to be your guy with Falk eating up top four minutes on that right side, we all saw what he did with it in these playoffs. To me, I, maybe if you're Doug Armstrong, are you looking at it like, and this is a great question for you to ask him tomorrow, you know, with Justin Falk playing so well in this bigger role, does that, does that have a bigger impact on
3: you and how you look at this Alex Petrangelo situation? Okay. So, the other question you have to ask yourself when it comes to cap management then is, is there somebody knocking on the door? Perunovic is going to be one of those guys knocking on the door. Now, they'll have the option to send him down, I believe. Right? I don't think that was a one-way contract. It was just oh, his no. normal entry, not no, a chance, no, right? Entry so entry um, So they're going to have the option to send him down to the minors. But I think their hope is you're bringing in a guy that, I don't know if it would be Cal McCarr-like, but can play at a a pretty good level. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked to his college coach. We've talked to everybody. There's no doubt we're bringing in character. Mm -hmm. And there's no doubt you're bringing in a heck of a hockey player. How does that translate to learning in the National Hockey League? That remains to be seen. So the other question you've got to ask yourself then is, is at 24 years of age, Jake Wallman, who's going to be a restricted free agent, right? You know, the, he, he's an RFA. Remember Craig Berube telling us they really liked, liked him? They uh, did. Uh, you Hitchcock know, said it, the same thing, too. Well, he liked. they liked the camp he had this time around. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is, is Jake Wallman going to be able to, at 24, I mean, we're talking late, late jumper at this point, right? Um, Nico Mikola still got a couple years at under a million, you know, 787 on an entry-level deal, essentially. Yeah, One in an entry-level year, and then, you know, so like... You know, you're talking, okay, Nico Mikola, can he stay, it, I don't know, does he get enough games to where, where he's playing? 40 games? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, so so does one of these guys fill the role of a Carl Gunnarsson, you know, uh, you know who's making, what, a million seven? This is where they're going to find a way to go. I mean, obviously, you know, they've got to figure out what they're going to do with Derek Pouliot, who's proven that he can play at times in the league. There's Dake Johnson. uh, that Joey Lalegia, to me, is always an intriguing one. They still keep him around, and every time he plays in a preseason game, you notice him, right? But Good a, Italian boy, no call up there. Not a big deal, you know. I'm mean, so like I, there's. Again, though, the other question that comes when you start to look at that is how many younger raw guys are you going to have to rely on to be impactful, versus helping you key stay in a competitive Cup championship window.
2: Well, that's the window. Yeah, I was. I mean, you literally took the words out of my mouth because. I'm all about grooming and I'm all about giving young guys. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly spoke about it today. You know, we we, we got to get these young guys going. Yeah, you, you want to get those young guys going. They're important. But I don't know if right now is the grooming time. And that's, that's right. And that's the under. And that's it's a the win time. It's the win time. So right, so right so now, Doug you're Armstrong, right. You got to look at like if we're going to win the next three years. This is I, the roster for three years. It. I'll figure out what the heck I'm going to do with them on year four. But you're looking at a team
3: that can win a cha- another championship. I don't know. Heck, maybe two without getting too greedy. But you know what I'm trying to say? I will trade another cup or two over the next four or five years, which means that you are also in that window where you're seeing good hockey in the regular season. You're seeing some runs, hopefully deeper than the first round. Okay, But, but I would trade. If somebody says, man, yeah, you're going to win. Or I will trade the hope of winning, knowing that we've got a good enough team to win, to know that we're going to end up in a little bit of cap hell, and have to do some some tweaking along the way, you know about you know four or five years from now, and I would trade that now because we we all know here we know this, we know how hard it is just to one not forget how hard it is to win it. We know how hard it is to put yourself in that legitimate window to win it. Yeah, you know so. To me, this is where you're doing what Jim Rutherford has been I mean Jim Rutherford's been a, a dealing machine, He's been the king yeah, of it. As we saw it today again in Pittsburgh. You know, I'm 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 willing to sacrifice some of the future to win again now because you just man, when you've got the right chemistry, when you've got the right depth, when you've got the right experience, when you when you've put 12 years of investment into an Alex Patrangelo to get you that cup and you know you're in that window because you've got Tarasenko, you've got Schwartz, you've got Shen, you've got Pareko, you've got a goalie, you've got these things in place. Uh, I, you, you do whatever you can to keep yourself in that window and we'll worry about, you know, looking and if, if it, I mean, really, except for just a couple of guys, and we've talked about this with Oshie and Bishop, right? We haven't traded somebody that's really panned out to be, you know, the, uh, the amazing player for another team, yeah, right. you know, and and so I I, I think play, how you evaluate your players right now, and if you don't see somebody as being big time impact, for example, I'll I'll lob this out at you. I know we got to go to a break, but okay, you're assessing Jordan Cairo right now. You're assessing Mackenzie McEchran. You're assessing Miko Mikola. You're assessing. Jake Wallman and these others, okay? Some have shown you more in the NHL. Some have not. If you don't see them as being impactful to you within the next couple years and there's value in those guys to move them to get impact, I'm getting the impact right now to stay in the window. Even if you're going
2: to burn the ship in three to four years and have a serious rebuild in five years from now? Like if you lose those young guys, right? If you let those young guys go and that window closes and let's say you you only make it to the cup final once and that's all you have and then petrol's getting older and then let's say you free up Vladdy, and then o rise
3: contracts up and he goes somewhere i mean okay here's a, here's know. why i say yes here's my answer here's why i say yes to that because as you put it i'm not sure that now is the time where it like those guys have to make major strides and they have to make them in a big way now, you know, you're not giving up on a guy like you're not giving up on a young Tory Krug. OK, mm. if you think one of those guys is that that's going to help you bridge that, you know, from one core to another. I get that part. But yeah, absolutely. Because I'm telling you, I mean, we've seen it long enough where you thought you had some good teams, you know, and and it didn't happen. So you made changes and then things went south to me. To me, I'm making the moves to keep me in that window now. And it's going to take some shrewdness and some cap management. But absolutely, because, I mean, Joe, you know it. You've seen it. You've lived it with organizations you've been a part of. It's hard to get yourself in that window.
1: It is really hard. Let's take a break. We'll come back and talk a little bit about bubble life moving forward and wrap things up here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN.
0: More of what you want to hear This Week in Hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN.
5: Hate us, love us, hate me, hate love me. Yeah. The fans, we miss the fans, we miss the atmosphere, and, you know, it, that that energy is, it's exciting and uh, makes it more, more fun to play, so it was uh, it was a different experience and something we had to do, and, and, you know, all the players came together and, you know, we worked and we did our best, and um, the guys still there are working, so, um, you know, they've done a good job putting together what they can, and, um, you know, we're just... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was different. We missed the atmosphere for sure.
1: It's Jordan Bennington from a Zoom call yesterday, back in final time here on This Week in Hockey. Alex Ferrario, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale with you. Fellas, you heard Bennington there talk about the fans and uh, the lack of fans and the momentum to build off of those fans in the bubble, which could potentially be your nhl season next year john shannon who covers the nhl up in canada for Sportsnet, saying today that the nhl at least has had the preliminary conversations with the pa um, about the potential of having four bubble cities next season for the regular season which one i don't know if players are going to be willing to do that when you see how hard it's been to be away from their families for this amount of time but two they're going to have to find a way to adapt to this bubble life, Joe. Uh, after this, if they have a regular season like this,
2: I don't know how. First and foremost, the family, the personal aspect is going to shake down. I, I just, I can't see that going down that way. Now, if, if they're pushed into a corner where it's the only choice, maybe. But if even if you do four bubbles in divisional play, how how are you going to play a full eighty-two game season? I mean, we see we see the, the procedures and the testing and and every protocol and every measure being taken up in this bubble to, to secure it safely. And, and it's still taking a long time for a lot of these players and a lot of these games unfold the way they do with curbs. I, I don't know about you, but the idea of doing that and and realistically thinking you're going to play 82 games in in the regular season, to me, it's just, it just can't
3: happen. So, uh, so first off, I'm not surprised that this was thrown out there. I mean, look it, like just like it has been f- Prior to getting started again, the last four months, right? You're gonna you're going to look at every single option. So I'm not at all surprised that this is being considered. If the NBA is talking about potentially not starting until after January one, I wouldn't be surprised to see the NHL go a similar route. They share buildings. Uh, there's there's reasons that, that 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 would make sense. Obviously, the National Hockey League wants to start sometime in December. That is their goal. I don't know about you guys. I am rooting like all hell for major league baseball. Still right now, I am rooting like all hell for the NBA, uh, for the NFL. I am rooting like all get out. Say, i don't, I don't want people thinking this is, I'm rooting like all hell for MLS right now. These leagues that are traveling into the visiting cities and finding a way to make it work. I don't see a bubble situation being realistic for an entire season. Um, I hope we delay the season as long as we can so we can get fans in the stands. I hope publicly we do whatever we can to get everything from schools to stands to fans to, to businesses back to normal, uh, as at least in the right direction. And, and I really believe that if we see these other leagues pull it off, start to bring a certain percentage of fans in, it's, again, just litmus testing for us on how that we need to do it since our season's delayed until at least sometime in December anyway. So to me, I'm holding my breath that those leagues find successful ways to do it. Look, it hasn't been challenge-free for baseball, but they're finding a way to do it. They're learning a lot. And yeah. now in a contact sport like the football, like the NFL— we're going to learn a lot
1: more. Well, and you've seen the outbreaks in major league baseball with the Marlins, with the Cardinals, a little bit with Cleveland and a little bit with Philly. uh, You wonder if MLB can find a way to play the rest of this season into the playoffs by traveling and still having success. Then that is the litmus test. And I said that with the fast lane earlier, you know, you're not going to do a bubble in the playoffs in the NHL. If you don't do a bubble in the regular season and that bubble in the regular season, that depends a lot on what major league baseball and what the NFL does, because if they can have success traveling the rest of the season without, without any outbreaks, then
3: that's something the NHL can look at and say, "Hey, we can find a way to do this." I think the players have look, okay. They've shown the bubble works, right? Spectacularly, zero positive tests since a week and a half before the, they left for the bubble. Yeah, all right, outstanding. Which, by the way, doesn't that also show that if we really try, society-wise, we could get this thing under control? C- could
2: we get a bubble to function with? An extra thirty thousand people, like, could we get to a city with a rink and put a division? That's what I was in wondering. a city, and you could sell tickets to some diehards to twenty thousand people. Let's say. And they could just live their hockey dream of going to these games and be like, you bet they're considering that, like living I mean, in a bubble seriously. as a hockey
1: fan. For I mean, you're a fan,
2: months. you're a bubble fan essentially. Yep. Whereas it's your, it's your dream, you, you, you tag a bunch of guys together, they'll pull some money. I don't know how it's going to look, but if you can if you can bubble a team, I mean, we thought that was hard, <laughs> but we've accomplished that. Right. If you can do a team and now some families, which we're gonna, you know, hey, keep an eye on this too. I mean, I think the biggest focus of the NHL right now is. After this round, these players are going to be having families coming in. I mean, this is going to be a big focus about how how that looks. I mean, they're going to probably learn a lot in this process
3: as well. But, but even mean, then, they've talked about maybe slowing that down a little bit because they're I trying to logistically that. figure it out. Like, well, was it Robin Leonard? Robin said,
1: uh, Regeer from Dallas said it.
3: Well, yeah, but somebody else said, well, i got to bring four kids in. I'm going to have to quarantine them in my hotel. My wife, they can't leave a hotel room for four, like – they're no, making they're it coming. so hard yeah, where yeah. players are probably just going to say, no. Carl Gunnarsson said that it would not be worth it no. if they get to that point. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. But I, So bottom line is whenever they start it, I mean, here's what up January 1, a season opens up with the Blues of Minnesota, Minnesota Wild and the Winter mm-hmm. Classic at Target Field. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay, okay with that. that. I'm all, I'm all, Road I'm, trip? I, I'll, I'll go out and buy long, long, Road un- trip? I can get probably a deal of long, long underwear right now. Cause it's the summer, right? You don't so have get any long now. underwear. I don't remember the last time I had an actual good pair of long underwear. I, I love like it. The, the waffle, s- long, the underwear. Waffle I am yeah. f- stacked with long underwear. Car as
1: as what the hell for when I do pest control in the winter? Oh, see that makes you know? sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's you good. You yeah. gotta make yeah, sure you're yeah, taking care of yourself out there.
2: And you got to get the battery operated socks. They have these new ba- the That's ba- true. D battery socks. Have you seen these? Oh my god, these what, what are you incredible! Put the D
1: battery. You put it on the th- on the side. On the side, it's like a and uh,
2: it's a wire that goes through your sock and it lights up your toes and your heels. <laughs> oh, god. can Yeah. Oh, it's like nice. Road
1: trip for the three of
2: us. We need that for a couple of those rinks we go to. Curbs. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't getting I'm there. Gonna get you a pair of those. Oh
3: man, you got a birthday coming up, don't you? <laughs> you get uh no May what, next year. Okay, I'll give yeah. you a birthday <laughs> We'll get that. The big five oh. <laughs> Are you 50? Oh,
4: Jeez,
1: Oh, boy. Wow.
4: There's going to be some
2: whiskey passed around that night. Oh,
4: think?
1: oh boy. <laughs> think? All right, fellas, that is going to wrap it up. If you missed any of this week in hockey, you can check it out on the podcast, 101ESPN.com. Curbs will be with you tomorrow for Behind the Bench. Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong are part of that program from 6 to 7 o'clock. For Joe, for Curbs, I'm Alex Ferrario. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on 101 ESPN.